0: Here we go. It's our uh, partnership, Star Tribune and WCC Radio, working with the Star Tribune editorial board, John Rash and Patricia Lopez here, Chad Hartman from WCCO Radio. Pat, I'm going to start with you. Did anything in the back and forth in where the country's at, uh, where maybe some people who have not completely decided where they're at or the entrenched bases— Did anything change off last night's dueling speeches by the president and by Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi?
1: No. (laughs) That's the short answer. Um, The president's primetime address was remarkably lacking in new information, convincing arguments, uh, any kind of an actual compromise that he might offer as an inducement uh, to Democrats to give him what he wants. It, It was really sort of a recitation of, Old talking points, misleading statements, and some outright lies. As you've pointed out before, uh, you know, he talked about illegal uh, drug smuggling, but the drugs don't come in in between the ports. They come in through the ports.
0: 90 yep. percent. Um, his own right. government saying that. Right. Not and, and some liberal-leaning group. That's
1: right. And it's hard to make the case that um, the border situation is out of control when illegal crossings are at at least a 17-year low.
0: I'll, I'll back it up with some numbers for because you're 100 percent right. Mm-hmm. In 2000, the number— was one point six four million. Now, and this some of this is the credit of all these administrations, including the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. It's below four hundred thousand.
1: Mm-hmm. That's yeah, a rather dramatic remarkable. drop. That if you doesn't lived mean it's the perfect. 80s, you yeah. know how remarkable that is. Yeah,
0: right. So, John, did he did did he achieve anything last night? And who was his audience? Who was he trying to reach last night?
2: I think the same individuals who he has been trying to reach since he began his presidency which is his base, which has remained remarkably resilient, 38, 39, 40 percent depending on the public opinion poll. And indeed, it was the fear of that base eroding that made him pivot back to a more maximalist position and shut down the government and embodied by the words of Ann Coulter, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and others. And he realizes politically that unless he has that base, He's going to have an extraordinarily difficult two years ahead of him, let alone re-election. And there's also the dynamic of some of the other challenges to its administration, including some real striking news regarding the investigation and in Russia about Russia in the 2016 yeah. election, we need to get to that. which extraction. has been yep. Yep. eclipsed over the last 48, 72 hours because of this impending speech. So. You know, I don't necessarily think that anyone was sold. People were solidified more than anything based on their previous position.
1: You notice that he was quick to say that the deal would be paid for by the new, uh, the new NAFTA trade agreement, US which is MCA. also unquestionably yeah. false. That it's a trade agreement. There's no money that accrues to the you know federal government that could then be used for uh, for a border wall. And I, I think the reason he did this is because. His base wanted a wall that Mexico was going to pay for. Well, that's because they were told that. it's their own paychecks that have to pay for it, I think um, you will see some erosion in that support.
0: Well, just to pick up on Pat's point, John, the president, his team have negotiated this with the leaders of Mexico and Canada. It still has to be approved by Congress. That's right. Congress hasn't even seen this. They might— Because it's an interesting combination of where Democrats and Republicans stand on that, because many Republicans are very free trade. Uh, They might be worried about some of the restrictions. They might be worried, is this another tariff sort of scenario?
1: Some thought he gave away too much to those other countries. So
0: that, okay, the president says that when, by the way, it isn't an exchange with the U.S. Treasury. Right. And, And a lot of people still believe, well, what does this mean? Guess what? Just American citizens will bear the cost. But that, John, only happens if Congress approves it.
2: And you're quite right that this is really a long road until that happens. And so, you know, that's one of the many issues that's looming out there. And what I think we're going to see in the next days and weeks to come, if indeed this lasts that long, is the degree of alacrity that President Trump is talking about, the crisis that he and his administration colleagues are referencing regarding the border, the real crisis that's going to continue to grow are the effects from the government shutdown? Yes. And we continue to hear stories in terms of not just the 800,000 plus people who will soon not be getting paychecks, but all the rest of the Americans who whose lives depend on some aspect of interacting with the federal government, who will suffer inconveniences, interruptions, if not significant events. And you know, even stories such as it appears now that those who are inspecting food, you know, may mm-hmm. not be. Fully employed at this point. They're and not. They've been furloughed. If, if, yeah. indeed, and, and if if something, heaven forbid, were to happen with that, you know, that's the type of story that will talk, that will really concentrate the minds of most Americans in terms of the stakes of this. So, the pressure is going to continue to ratchet up on Republicans in the United States Senate, and mm-hmm. even though President Trump just came out within the last hour and talked about total unity among. His caucus I I certainly think that there could be cracks in that.
1: There are already cracks and here's what's been missing in this whole debate Chad. Um, We have not seen the president direct his administration to do a very thorough needs assessment of the most vulnerable parts of the border and an objective analysis of what means would be the most effective at accomplishing the goal. That's what I would want to see. We already have almost 700 miles of physical barriers along the 2,000 mile border. That's a lot. It, that's a lot, right? You know, and maybe and some it, of it needs mean, to be replaced, yeah. shored up, whatever. Or maybe
0: there are parts where it needs to be added. But let's let's see the experts. Let's make sure offer exactly them, exactly.
1: Right? Let's make sure that what's needed is uh, a wall or a fence or uh, better surveillance. Or, you know, more agents, uh, you know, boots on the ground. We have a number of means at our disposal. Uh, you know, this is taxpayer money. We deserve to have it spent effectively. I think everybody wants border security. Um, here's the other thing that I'm concerned Which about. Which the president continues
0: that, to say that Democrats don't.
1: Right. That's right just right. because I'm, you
0: disagree with his idea doesn't mean it's like
1: right. everybody come on in. They, they've advanced their own deals. You know, $1.3 here, yep. $2.5 there. Um, You know, various amounts, mostly turned down um, because the fight, the fight for the wall, whatever that means at this point.
0: Have Democrats been specific enough, though? Right. Because I think it's fair. Should uh, should Pelosi and Schumer be more precise in saying, "Okay, we're against the wall. But here is maybe even beyond the one point three billion. Here is our definitive plan just to contrast with the wall.
1: Well, you know, the the way negotiations work is the person who wants the thing the most is the one who has to advance uh, some kind of incentive. I would argue the biggest problem with the president's argument is that he's never been specific enough. Nobody really knows what the wall means at this point. Is it a steel slatted fence? Is it a concrete barrier? Is it 2,000 miles? Is it 1,000 miles? Uh, How high is it? Is it 12 miles high? Is it 30 miles high? Nobody really knows. How do you negotiate against that?
2: I would quickly add to the needs assessment looking at the root of the problem and there is extraordinarily spiraling violence in three Central American countries that's creating this crisis as it's perceived by the president and some others and it certainly isn't President Trump or the administration or America's fault that these conditions are deteriorating so significantly in Honduras and Guatemala and El Salvador. A regional approach to this and to try to figure out how to mitigate some of those conditions might help lessen the challenge, not just for the United States, but for Mexico, and most profoundly for the poor people who are fleeing for their lives from those three countries. And I want
0: to go back to something Patricia said. John, I'm going to stay with you. Um, When we start reading more and more stories, or in our own lives, we're affected by it, or our neighbors are, or our cousin is, because it's more than just the 800,000 people. Mm-hmm. It's the people who are affected by the 800,000. How about the millions of people who have agencies or have businesses that work through the government?
1: Federal contracts? Right, mortgages. federal contracts. There, there are
0: mortgages, food stamps. There are so many effects. And this is going to soon pass, the longest ever, right? Mm-hmm. I just wonder what is to me, I've thought, that the realistic way that this would break down is that more Republican senators would say, Mr. President, yes, we're with you on border security, but I want you to open up the rest of government, I want you to accept the 1.3 billion, and let's keep negotiating, and let's try to make a bigger deal where you will get more money, and some of it for the wall, but also DACA as an example. Is that realistic, or do we go back to all the times under all these presidents where you've tried for larger immigration deals, and people are so entrenched on either side that you can't pull your base over to maybe the center left and center right.
2: It is realistic and it's reasonable. And certainly I think that, you know, from a grand perspective, these issues all have to be addressed. And I think that every American realizes the importance of border security. It's not necessarily a Republican or Democratic dynamic. How they approach it might be different, but they actually were quite close to agreement right before the turn of the year when it looked like the government was going to stay open by a continuing illusion and continually working on this issue. And I concur that. And the president told them. Yeah. He would sign this. So every Republican voted for it. Mm -hmm. But again, he faced the pressure from right wing commentators. And that really seemed to turn President Trump in a distinctly different direction. And that's how we're in this impasse right now.
0: Let's switch to Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort ran the campaign for a short period of time, but a key period of time, which included the convention. Mm -hmm. Paul Manafort's past has been a huge part of the legal issues well before Donald Trump. So to say all of his financial issues happened while he's running the Trump campaign, that's not true. But Mueller has been looking at many aspects. And now this report came out yesterday where it seems like it was just incompetence by Manafort's Attorneys about what was redacted and what was not. I mean, who did they call here? I mean, I mean, it was this like a, <laughs> uh, a first-year law student where the information was there? Where basically Manafort is admitting that he was sharing polling data with someone who was sharing it with parts of the Russian government. Okay, on the significance of what that means. Take us through that. What? What is this? Just rogue Manafort? Uh, yeah. Is this coordinated that's, that's by the president? Not how presidential and what
1: campaigns work? Right, you know things are coordinated, discussed, infinitely gone over in the smallest detail. You know, people who have been through campaigns can tell you that there's not just one rogue actor who can sort of hijack the campaign and do what he wants. Um, if he did, that would just be. Manifests incompetence, you know, at so many levels, which I suppose, you know, is is possible. Right. What what I think is undeniable is that this is serious, and it's it's not enough to brush it away. As I've already seen, some um, you know uh, supporters do and and say, well, that was his personal, that had nothing to do with the campaign. It had everything to do with the campaign, and the campaign is in, you know, is is by and for the candidate. So you really can't escape. You know uh, culpability, right? Indeed. Some
0: some have said at times, John. I'm trying to forget which uh, analyst now, but used to be a member of the campaign said we were we weren't organized. We, we it was so scattered that we couldn't do this. That doesn't cut it. I'm sorry. Let's say let's say I'm in litigation against you, and my lawyer's doing this and that and that, and I just say, hey, it's just my lawyer. I'm sorry. I'm I'm the one has final say. When you're the candidate and you're running. It still falls, the buck you stops. Know, with you know, but
1: doesn't work on a shoplifting charge. It right. shouldn't work here. By
0: the way, with Donald Trump, who's always said, I make all the decisions. Mm-hmm. You can't say you're making all the decisions, but when then it might involve something. I had nothing to do with it.
2: Indeed, there's appropriate focus on the campaign dynamics here, on what Mr. Manafort may have done with, with this Kremlin operative. But I think that as time transpires, what be, what may become even as big a part of the story is reportedly from the unredacted portion of this that there were also discussions about a Ukrainian peace deal. And there we get well beyond the campaign dynamics into American foreign policy and, and officially how our government might react to an extraordinarily volatile situation in Eastern Europe. And so, you know, that's something that I think deserves equal number of, of, of equal amount of focus as people think about this. Issue as well. And my sense is that Mr. Mueller probably has far more than this. And the three of us and many observers have long wondered what Mr. Mueller clearly or, or really does have, because of course there haven't really been any leaks from you know, his organization. Yep. And this is just an example of not a leak from him, but from Paul Manafort's lawyer, but to show the, the depth and breadth of this investigation.
0: John Rash, Patricia Lopez with Star Tribune, Chad Hartman here, CCO. Patricia, I know you've spent a fair amount of time. Back and forth at to St. Paul, right? That's right? Oh, by the way, we have a new governor. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, we have a new legislature, a new house, Right, a new house. The Senate has even changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. What is uh, your early takeaway from the first 40, 48 hours?
1: Uh, I've, I would say I've been impressed by the efforts uh, on all sides to you know make some stab at um, productive uh, discussion on issues. I've, I've seen them kind of refrain from you know, throwing the, the usual broadsides. There was a rules fight that broke out on the floor, but what would the first day of legislation be without uh, without that? That aside, you know, Senator Gazelka uh, issued a statement saying that he was encouraged by what he saw as a productive start to the session. Uh, you know, Walls, I think, has gone out of his way to express uh, some interest in uh, some of their issues and their uh, position points. And so they're, they're going to clash, of course. You know, the biggest problem ahead is that... Um, Senate Republicans have declared their opposition to a gasoline tax increase uh, and to a reinstatement of the uh, 2 percent provider tax that helps fund Minnesota care. And without that, that program runs about $900 billion short, which, of course, could wind up throwing a number of people off. Um, You know, walls ran on improved transportation, you know, fixing deficient bridges, et cetera, that depends on, you know, additional revenues. What I'm hoping to see is productive Conflict, you know, conflict that leads to, you know, an actual compromise. Unlike what we're seeing in Washington, we have the only divided government in the country,
0: which doesn't seem possible.
1: It, you know, right? so I have to remind myself of that because it seems so unlikely, and yet that was the if result it was going to happen. Election.
0: So let me ask you this, because you're right; those are two issues mm-hmm. where Governor Walls and the Democrats are pretty entrenched, and the Republicans mm-hmm. see it differently. Is it better strategy? For Governor Walls to try to build up this relationship and try to pass other areas, so there's F say, hey, listen, these matter so much. Mm-hmm. We may not agree on these, but we're going to try to get these done because I think these are the most pressing.
1: You know, but both sides have expressed interest in what they call early wins. You know, areas that they agree on that they can move out the door quickly. And some of that is legislation left over uh, from last year. We've got election reform money, badly needed, um, that has to get some agreement uh, between, um, you know, the legislature and the governor before it can advance to the Secretary of State's office. Um, You know, that's something that theoretically they could agree on quickly. There were some cuts to, uh, you know, disabled workers uh, or workers who care for the disabled Yeah, right. um, that they should be able to agree on. I'd, I would love to see them do that. And they've both, both expressed some interest on gun safety uh, legislation. Uh, the Senate Republicans want to take another run at strengthening um, school safety. Uh, the governor has strong, strong interest in expanded background checks and red flag laws and, um, Hopefully that is something that should not take the whole session. And then building on that, then they can go ahead and tackle taxes, you know, health care and, uh, and roads.
0: Uh, John, anybody that knows me knows I'm a bit of a cynic. So I'm also going to be – just look at history here. The, from the last two governors, two very different governors, from Tim Pawlenty and Mark Dayton, uh, special session wasn't that special anymore, Right. And it almost seemed like the first two, three months were a waste. It really did. You know, talked about a lot of ideas, Apache said, mm-hmm. but really didn't get done. And then all of a sudden, the last two or three days, it was like five people were trying to decide everything, and the rank and file would find out about as fast as us. So Tim Walls has said all the right things. Paul Gazelka has said all the right things. Kurt Dowd's not quite going on as much no. as others, <laughs> right? Um, Are you optimistic that we are going to see this collaboration, that the words and the tone of early January will match with the results?
2: Optimistic, yes. Wary, also. And I think it should be remembered that, indeed, we do have a new governor, and that governor was a representative from a district, which is a swing district, went back to Republican hands here. You know, he is very used to understanding the different demands of a very divided state, And I think that he probably will take that approach to St. Paul, and there's no one in St. Paul and certainly throughout the state who likes the way that things have been run and all the dynamics that you just discussed of the last-minute decisions. Nearly everyone is determined to end that way of doing business, and we have new leadership in the governor, in Melissa Hortman in the House, and Paul Gazelka is saying all the right things, as you referenced. So certainly... We're, the conditions have been created for a much better session than the last few, but you're quite right. We have to wait and see, make sure it happens.
1: And Gazelka has a one-vote majority. Yeah. That's, that's what his majority hangs on. So that's that's going to have a tempering effect too, I would hope.